a series called The King's Arrival, and last week uh, we started part one, and it was about the coming of Jesus and, and how hope is, is the foundational need that we have, and we know hope is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. And uh, we can put our hope in a lot of other things, and how many know that when we do that, they always come up wanting, and they always fall short. You know, they only are temporary, and uh, they never last, but Jesus is that, and, and, and so the king is coming was last week, but how many know the king is here? That's this week, and so that's what we're going to be talking about, and I wanted to start with the birth of Christ, and so in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit. That's a controversial topic, by the way, that has been for many, many years. Uh, and then in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, it says, Then the angel spoke to Joseph and said, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which we know means God is with us. It's a prophetic word out of uh, Isaiah, the major prophet, who prophesied about this, and it was the fulfillment of prophecy. And when Jesus came, he fulfilled a lot of prophecies. Um, and it's, it's just amazing if you go back and look at that. But the idea that God is with us gives us hope. And we know that Jesus became flesh right there, uh, it, right where we see a couple thousand years ago. But God is with us. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we need his presence in our life. We, we need the spirit of God in our life. You know, I, I like to look in the book of Psalms a lot of times because it, 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 it describes a man or a woman just like us who, who goes through all kind of cycles in life. But, but at the end of all of those, the psalmist always says, you know, Lord, I need you. Lord, take not your Holy Spirit away from me. Lord, create a clean heart in me, O God. A, renew a right spirit in me. And there's always this alignment back with hope back with the Spirit of God, back with that dependency upon Jesus. And uh, that's the way to live, by the way. That's the way I live, and uh, I think that's the way you should live. And we know that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble, and we need grace. And, uh, you know, if we're in life and we find ourselves sometimes in faith and sometimes out of faith, meaning we're like the disciples and we're doubting and we're disbelieving, Welcome to good company, everybody. You know, when I look in the Bible, what I love about the scripture, you know, that gives me hope is when I look at the patriarchs of faith and, and I look at the, the disciples, I just see their life kind of going like this. You know what I mean? And the ups and downs and all arounds, but God is there, ever present, his cloud by day, right, his fire by night. He's with us and his good work is going to be finished in us. And that's the hope I have, and that's the, the faith that I live. But when Jesus came on the scene, a lot of things started happening. I don't know if you know about the Christmas story or not, but there was a, there was a, a, a king uh, at the time, and his name was Herod. And when Jesus came on the scene to King Herod, Jesus was a threat. He was a threat. Actually, Herod was the king of the Jews at the time, and when he heard that there was going to be a child born, and he was going to be a king, he was threatened by that, and he was crazy, and he became furious, 
And uh, he, he said, I'm going to take care of this threat. And in Matthew chapter 2, verse 16, it says, Then Herod became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had, uh, had uh, asserted from the wise men. So this guy was a lunatic, right? You know what I mean? He said, my, my throne's being threatened, and my success is being threatened, and this guy, Jesus, this, this king who's going to be born, I don't want to give up my kingship. I, wanna, I don't want to give up what I've got going, and so kill, kill all the firstborn. And uh, there was many things that happened out of that. And, you know, when you think about Herod, there's the Herods of this world right now. There's the philosophies and there's the ideology that is coming against the gospel, that is trying to kill the gospel, that's the deconstruction of, of the gospel completely and the deconstruction of faith. I talk to a lot of different people um, outside of the church, and I just do this when I travel and I go into different places, and I just start interviewing people. And you would be amazed. I mean, in the past, like, three months, you know, I've been in about... I don't know, seven or eight metropolitan areas, and every one of those areas, every person that I talk to typically that are older millennials, uh, Gen, Gen Zs, uh, uh, who, who I just start interviewing, I just start talking to them, I just spark up a conversation with them, and you would be amazed. Every single one of them have deconstructed their faith. They've first deconstructed the idea of church completely, and uh, for a lot of various reasons, by the way, you know, a lot of them were burned in church, and they just had a, uh, you know, experienced hypocrisy. I mean, you know, you, you just name it. It's it's sad, honestly. Uh, it, it really is because then it skews their 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 vision of God, and and then the ideology of the world, the 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 enemy would seek to destroy the the very essence of the gospel, and 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 basically it destroys the Bible completely. And there's an ideology now, and there's nothing new, you know what I mean? But, but there's an there's a, a, a emerging ideology in our world today that really is deconstructing the Bible completely and faith altogether. Uh, but it starts subtly, and it just grows and grows and grows. The, the, la the last level of deconstruction is faith alone. I was talking to a gentleman just this past week, and um, uh, it was me and Pastor Stephen, actually. We, we, we've striked up a conversation on a different topic, blah, blah, blah. And, and as, the, as, the, as the story went on, the guy had deconstructed his faith completely. And he was now an atheist. And uh, he, 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 was, he was out there, you know what I mean? And when we started talking to him about Jesus, his countenance changed and, and his, his jaws locked up and, 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 and you could see the pain in his eyes. And I asked him this question, and I said, hey, man, do you, do you feel that based on your past experiences from your family, uh, he's had a lot of family issues in the church, and, and it was just really, really strange, and uh, they ostracized him. I, I said, do you think by any, any, any measure of, 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 of calculation that that has turned your trajectory and how you even approach God or even think about God. He said, absolutely. I said, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if you could just hit the reboot button and all of that would be erased and you start over again? And he was just silent. And, 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 and I said, man, you know, stay on the journey of discovery because, you know, he was really, he was a youth type minister and he knew the Bible. And so, you know, we weren't going to try to debate about that. It really wasn't a debate, but the deconstruction of faith, the deconstruction of actually assembling together 
like we're doing right now is the onslaught. Um, we see it right now. I mean, you just look around the room. I just want to do a little, little, just a small little test in here. How many, lift your hands if you're a millennial in the room today. All right, I want you to look around. There's just a few. There's just a few. How many of you are baby boomers? Okay, all right, all right. How about Gen X's? Okay, yeah. And it's amazing, you know, and, and, and I know I'm, I'm kind of a little off topic, not necessarily because Herod's a threat to Jesus. And so the, the ideology of this world is destroying the gospel. And so I want to encourage you to, to continue to uh, uh, rightly divide the scripture and, 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 and have a heart to reach the next generation because the Herod out there is killing, all, is killing off the gospel. You know what I'm talking about. And I don't know what's going to come out of that uh, conversation me and Pastor Stephen had. I don't know what's going to come out of all the conversations I have. But I looked different, and I wasn't religious. And the, 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 they were astonished when they said I was a pastor. As a matter of fact, I do this from time to time. Stephen was talking to him, and he's like, yeah, we kind of help. I kind of work with a nonprofit. Because <laughs> they're asking, what do you do? And he's like, I kind of work with a nonprofit, and, you know, we kind of help people and counsel them. and kind of a holistic thing, and we kind of point them back to faith and all this. And I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. We love nonprofits and blah, 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 you know. And it got, the, the, the husband looked at me and said, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm his assistant. And he's like, he didn't believe me. I, I was stone-faced, you know what I mean? I had a hat on. I don't look like a pastor, you know what I mean? So, and uh, I was like, yeah, I'm his assistant. And they just sat there, oh, okay. And he said, no, no, no. And he used some language I can't use in here. He said, now tell me what you are. And I said, I'm a pastor. And immediately the, the lady put her purse on her shoulder. I said, hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm probably like, not like a pastor you've ever met before. Just give me about five minutes. But, but it is amazing to see, you know, we see, we see the deconstruction of the gospel back then. We see it now. And uh, we have a great responsibility. You know, God was with Herod, if you would, because Jesus was coming on scene, but he missed it. And then we see these different types of people. When Jesus came on the scene, his family was there. And to his family, Jesus was familiar. So he was a threat to Herod. He was familiar to his family. John chapter 7, verse 5 says, For not even his brothers believed him. And in Matthew chapter 13, verse 53, it says, When Jesus had finished these parables, he was teaching, and he went away from there, and he came to his hometown, and he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not the mother? Is this not the son of, of his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not his sisters with us? Where did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. Jesus was familiar. You know, I started thinking about, you know, kids who grew up in church. You know, uh, and, and, and you have kids that are growing up in church. And the Bible stories can become familiar, you know what I mean? But, but, but the relationship is something with Jesus that will last forever. And I think we can become familiar with the Scripture, too familiar. I think we can, you know, I do it all the time, by the way. So I, I'm an analyst, and so I, I can go to a conference, and I can go to a lab uh, about church. I, I can be hearing a message. I can be listening to one of the pastors. And, and I have to repent because as soon as you open your mouth, I've analyzed about 10 or 15 angles you're going to possibly go with this particular message. 
And it's not pride, it's just the way my brain works. And, and then, you know, <laughs> for a while, I, I, I would, would, I'm just, this confessions of, of Casey here, but for a while, just so you know I'm normal, for a while when I go to labs uh, at conferences, I'd sit in the back seat on the end because I'm a table of contents guy. Give me what you're going to talk about and I'm going to go get a cup of coffee because <laughs> I already know what you're going to say. And so that's terrible. By the way, that's, that's, that's not good. <laughs> and uh, you can call it old and cynical and dried up, and I've called myself that before. But it's like, no, 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 no. You might know what he's going to say, but there's something that God wants to say to you, Casey. Sit down, shut up, bring your cup of coffee in there, take a few deep breaths, and listen to the man talk. You know what I mean? He's got something to say, and God can speak through him. And that's, that's what I'm talking about. You know, to, 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 to the family of Jesus, he came familiar, you know. And we don't want to come too familiar with the things of God. I, I think about that scripture in the Old Testament. It said, hey, Moses, take off your shoes for this is holy ground. You know what I mean? There's not a time that I don't come up to this pulpit that I don't, that I, when, I, when I'm in worship with God a, a, in a setting like this, where a, a corporate gathering where we're worshiping together, that God doesn't just turn the dial a little bit in my heart. You know what I mean? In a loving way, in a biblical way, in a fruitful way. To, to, you know, because we're to be changed into the image of Jesus, right? So we're, we're we, we, you know, <laughs> the mo- it's so funny how the flesh is. The moment... We stop surrendering to God. Look, Paul the Apostle said, I die daily. This is a daily process. The moment we start, stop surrendering to God and what the Lord is wanting to do in our life is when we begin to become duller and duller and duller, and then we're just like this carnal, fleshly man and woman that we were before Christ. Think about Proverbs. As a dog, as a, as a dog returns to his vomit, so a man and a woman returns to his folly, right? And, but praise the Lord that we have the Holy Spirit and that when we gather together and we hear the word of God and when we're worshiping God, God is just lovingly protecting us and saying here and there and here and there. And we just surrender more. And that's a life of being led by the Spirit. And we don't want to become too familiar with that. That's, that, that, that's, that's what was happening to the family of Jesus. You know, they, they wanted something spectacular, right? They wanted the fireworks show. Come on, somebody. You know what I mean? But it, it's not the fireworks show every day, you know what I mean? Especially when you wake up in the morning and you look at yourself in the mirror. It's not the fireworks show. <laughs> you know, God was with them like he was with Herod, and they missed it. They missed it at that time. They missed it. We don't want to miss it, right? And then, and then we see the disciples interact, interacting with Jesus. And to his disciples, Jesus was anticlimactic. And in Mark chapter 8, verse 31, it says, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. After three days he would rise again. I mean, hearing that from Jesus, that's anticlimactic. That's like, you know, the king is here. No, you're about, you're about to be killed like a criminal. Nobody wanted The disciples didn't want to hear that. You know, how many of you want your leader to be, you know, crucified? No. And he said this plainly to them, and Peter took him aside and said, no, 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 Jesus, you, you've missed it. You, you've definitely missed it. Let me, let me help you out, Jesus. How many, how many do that a lot of times? <laughs> you don't think you do. You know, you prayed the prayer, and you're like, no, no, God, you're missing it here. 
You know what I mean? You're, you're, this is not what I expected to happen after I prayed. This is not the direction I felt like I was supposed to go. This is not what I had in my imagination. This is not what I thought life was going to be like. This is not it. And, and I think that's how Peter was. I, I'm like Peter a lot, you know what I mean? Uh, I haven't chopped off an ear yet, but I'm tempted to daily. But anyways, right? So he, he, but he took Peter aside and he began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter, and this is, this is you know, he, he rebuked him publicly with his disciples. Get behind me, Satan, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Wow. I think that's a good prayer to pray sometimes when you've got those voices in your head like Peter. No, 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 Jesus, this is not, this is, no, no, no. Get behind me, Satan. I'm being mindful of the things of man. See, the enemy gets your mind off of God and onto yourself. This was an anticlimactic scene for these disciples. I mean, they wanted him to overthrow the, the they wanted him to be the king then of Israel. He, they, he wanted him to, to, to ratify the pollution in the, in, in the Pharisees and the judicial system and, and, and in, the, in the government, if you would, there. They thought, yeah, this is it. This, this is what we're going to do. And no, no, I'm going to die. This is, I'm going to die. You're, you're thinking too temporary. You're thinking too carnal. Your thinking is wrong. Your thinking is wrong. You know, our thinking is wrong. Yeah, that's right. Our thinking is wrong. And that's why we have to have the Word of God to, to change the way that we think. Uh, the, the Word of God has the ability to transform the way that you think. Even the psalmist, right? He said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we can prove what that good and acceptable and perfect will of God is for our life. And so we have to have our mind renewed. These disciples are like us. We have to have our mind renewed. We have to be enlightened by the scriptures. We, we, We have to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. We have to agree with God, if you would. We have to agree with God. But Peter's like, no, 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 Jesus. Nope. This is a disappointment. I didn't expect this to happen. They're not, no. You're not going to leave us now, are you? See, God was with the disciples, but they were missing the essence of the gospel. They were missing what Jesus was trying to accomplish in that moment. And you know the story, if you read about Peter, he staggered along. But God continued to work with him, and he became one of the most powerful apostles that man has ever seen. And then we got the Pharisees on the scene. This is what Jesus was walking the earth. And to the Pharisees, Jesus was a revolutionary. Mark chapter 11, verse 18, and the chief priests and the scribes heard it, heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him. Talking about Jesus. For they feared him. Because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. They're like, man, this guy is getting a following, and this ain't good. And in Mark chapter 14, verse 48, Jesus said to them, have you come out against a robber or a dangerous revolutionary? That's what that word robber means, with swords and clubs to capture me? He's like, I'm not, I'm not, there was a lot of revolutionaries that had come in the past and whatnot. He's like, hey, what, what do you think I am? Here, you coming to kill me? See, Jesus was, was messing with the organized Jewish religion at the time, and he was fulfilling the laws and prophecies, and he claimed he was God, which was heresy to them. He, he claimed to be God, and, and, and they said, this guy is a heretic, and we're going to kill him. You know, Jesus was a reformer. 
He came to reform things. You know, think about Martin Luther. He came to reform things. And Jesus was a reformer. And, and he was a reformer then, and he's a reformer now. He wants to bring reformation now. He wants to reform things in your family now. He wants to reform things in your business now. He wants to reform things in your children now. He wants to reform things in your relationships. Jesus wants to reform you. That's right. He, 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 look, he, he, Jesus, look, God's like the potter and we're like the clay, right? Isn't that, isn't that what the, the, the prophet said in the Old Testament? He said that when we go down to the potter's house, we're going to get right down on that, that molding uh, platform, and he's going to have his way with us. He's going to form us, and he's going to fashion us, and he's going to reform us and refashion us. And that's a beautiful picture. And what's so beautiful about it is it only comes through your surrender, and there's no man who can do that. You know, a lot of you have marital problems, and you're praying that your spouse would change. But I might add that you might just want to get on the potter's wheel yourself and let God do some changing in you. You know what I'm talking about. And, and I, 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 th I think that, that a lot of us forget that Jesus is, is, is changing us and continuing to reform us into his image. And he'll use anything in our life to do it with. You know, as a pastor, unfortunately, you know, it's not a good thing. I get to see a lot of people before they die. You know what I mean? And and I think even if you're a lot, like if you don't die instantly and you're dying a little bit slow, slower, you know what I'm talking about? You're in your deathbed. Some of the greatest reformation happens the months before people die. And for me, it's convicting and it's uh, sobering and it actually does something to me hearing people talk as they're getting closer to death. And uh, we don't think about death a lot. Um, but I think it's something to think about. You know, we avoid the topic. Um, I don't like it. You know, we know Jesus is the last enemy Jesus is going to defeat is death. I don't like to talk about death. I don't really like to be around death, you know, necessarily. I don't I mean, you know, it's, it's not pleasant. Uh, it's just it's, it's what it is. But you would be amazed the reformation that happens days before death. Oh, man. And, and I just started thinking, you know, what if that reformation can happen now? You know, what, what, if, what, if, what, if there was, what if what if there was that type of contemplation in our life? How would that affect us today? And I'm not talking like doom and gloom. I'm not talking about fear. I'm, I, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm just talking about impact. And, and, and I, I think that, that Jesus can revolutionize the way we approach our life. The way, I said, I said it to my wife this, just this past year. I said, you know, I've prayed a lot of prayers, and I'm wondering if some of the prayers that I prayed were actually the right ones. You ever done that? You know what I mean? You pray a lot of prayers, but then you've got to ask yourself in the light of the gospel, in the light of scripture, in the light of experience, am I praying the wrong prayers here? You know what I mean? What, what, what am I doing, you know? I know if I go back to the garden that I, I, in, in the beginning of creation, I realize that God created me for fellowship and worship, fellowship with him and worship, the initial intent of God. And so I got, I got, to, uh, I got to go back to that as, as a pastor. I got to go back to that as a Christian, right? Like at the crux of this thing that we call life, 
We believe in a creator. We believe in Jesus. And I got to go back to his intent for me, and it was fellowship and worship. And if I start there and end there, I think that's a really good place to live. And so I'm here to say that, you know, God was with them, the Pharisees, but they missed it. How are we missing it? What is Jesus wanting to revolutionize in your life today? And the thing about all the things that I'm saying is you can't really manufacture those things. It's something I've learned. I can't manufacture a spiritual impact in my life. I can't drum that up with intellect. I can't drum that up with some sort of core motivation. I have to, I have to surrender to God and say, Lord, will you impact me? And God, will you have your way in me? And then he has a way of working that in you. I can't just say, hey, today, you know, I heard this guy talk about death, and so now I'm going to be impacted by that, and it's going to revolution my whole life. But, but I believe this. I, I believe that, that the Holy Spirit can drop a seed in your heart and, and, and that you, you, can, you, can, you can surrender to that and start the process of being revolutionized. Because guess what? There's more growth for you. There's, there's more that God wants to do in you and through you. You know what I mean? It's more than just being solidified in faith. It's, it's a journey of, 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 of redemption. It's, it's a journey of, of understanding the entirety of why we even exist. And I think fellowship and worship will keep us grounded in that. But the Pharisees, they miss Jesus. You know, as religious people, they'll miss Jesus. You know, and you don't want to become religious, right? You don't want to, you don't, you don't want to just say, yeah, I've got that. I've checked that off, and I feel good about what I'm doing. But it's about your relationship with Jesus. And then to Pilate, Jesus was an inconvenient truth. I heard the story about Pontius Pilate in the Gospels. They brought Jesus to, to Pilate to have him killed. But watch this. In John chapter 18, verse 35, Pilate answered and said, am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, so you're a king? This is a big moment, you know. Are you a king? You know, and so Pilate's starting to get intrigued here. And Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? You know, when truth impacts us, sometimes it's inconvenient. Think about that just for a moment. When when truth impacts your life, sometimes it feels as though it's inconvenient. Sometimes it feels as though I don't don't really want to deal with truth. I really, I really don't want to, I think that's the way that couple was. No, I, I don't want to go back and revisit this thing of what is truth. You know, I, I just want to be left alone in my folly. I want to be left alone in my bitterness. And I want to die and let the worms eat me because I don't think there's anything else going to happen, right? Just leave me alone. I, I don't want to talk about it. And, uh, but when we're impacted by truth, a lot of times it will be inconvenient there's a lot of questions around truth today. And you know what? You might have been following Christ here for a year. You still have a lot of questions about truth, right? You, you might have been, uh, 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 been a Christian for 20 years now, and you still have some questions around truth. Well, welcome to faith. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things that we not yet see. But we believe here that, that there's enough truth 
there's enough revelation in the Bible for redemption. We, we, we believe that, 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 that that's what God has given us, and there's enough in there. And uh, I, I, I might ought to say that, you know, it might be a, a good time to pick up the old Bible again. Pick up the Word of God again. Some of you have set the Word of God down, and it's just time to pick it up again and just start praying and reading and praying and reading and uh, pr- praying and reading. And, and I believe that God can do something great with you. I think God can reveal truth to you where you didn't have it. You know, we're in postmodernism now, and, and there, there's, everything's being questioned. And, and, and some things need to be questioned, by the way. We do that as a staff. You know what I mean? We question what we're doing, why we're doing it, and what the methods are we're doing it. And, and, and some of those things need to be uh, questioned. Uh, I, think, I think God's doing something in the church world right now that we haven't quite seen yet. But I think he's interested in reaching the next generation. And I think the expression of church that we are familiar with will change eventually because we have to reach the next generation because that's all that really matters, right, is our faith and then reaching others with our faith. And, 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 and we, we struggle with this thing called truth. We, we, we put uh, God in a box a lot of times. Uh, we, we box God in. We, we, we put God up into our level of intellect. But his ways are way higher than our ways. And, 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 and I think that we should always approach the things of God with childlike faith. Isn't that what Jesus said? That, that you should come to me like little children. Because if, you, if, you, if you're like a little child before God, I, I think things become a little bit easier. You know, I really do. And, and a lot of things that we've learned, we, we, we need to unlearn, right? And then there's some new things we need to learn, and we need to deconstruct on a positive note. There's a positive side of deconstruction, everybody. Absolutely. I've done it multiple times. I'm actually just a natural deconstructionist. That's what I told my wife. I mean, I just deconstruct everything because I'm an analyst, you know what I mean? And so, but I, I think there's a, a, there's, a, there's a time in our life where we contemplate what we're doing, why we're doing it, who we're doing it for, what is our core motivation, how is truth impacting me right now and my family, and Lord, am, and Lord, Lord here I am. I, I think the communion is a beautiful picture of remembering what Jesus did on the, earth, uh, uh, on the cross for us, but, it, but it's, it's, it's also a picture of reflection. You know, I used to do communion a lot at my house and just pray and, and think about the scripture and think about God, and, and, and I kind of got away from that habit, you know? I, I kind of got away from that habit of that level of devotion, and I think that impacted me some, you know what I mean? And, and, and so there's some things that I need to revisit. I was talking to a gentleman uh, at the church, and uh, he, he's been in the church for about five or six years. And um, he's, a, he's an entrepreneurial business guy. And, uh, you know, he was going through uh, 21 days of prayer. He just decided to do that personally. A lot of times, by the way, there's another side note, we wait for everything to be institutionalized. Right? Don't we do that by habit? Like, you know what I mean? We're waiting. Well, is, the, is the church going to hold a prayer meeting? Then I get to pray, right? I think it's good that we have a prayer. Is the church going to do 21 days of fasting and prayer? Uh, or maybe I'll get started there. Is the church going to do a one-year Bible daily devotional thing where the pastors are sending out a devotion, blah, 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 blah. And we institutionalize everything. But you're the church. You're the called-out ones. You know what I mean? So, and I was talking to this guy, and uh He's like, you know, man, I, I did 21 days of prayer, 
And he said, it, it, it was at the end of these 21 days of prayer, and this guy's really humble and genu- genuine, and he's, he's a true seeker, right? I mean, he's, he's serious. He's serious, you know what I mean? And he's, he's like, and I felt that God spoke to me and said in these 21 days of prayer, go back and do what you did in the beginning. I said, tell me about that. He said, go back and do what you did when you first got a revelation of Jesus and got saved. Go back and do what you did in the beginning. And I thought, man, that, is a, that sounds like the Lord to me. You know, and, I, and I started thinking about my life, and I started thinking, you know, wow, 21 years ago I gave my life to Christ. And there was a lot of things that I was doing that I'm not doing now. And I thought, you know, I need to go back and revisit some of those core fundamental things that I was doing when I was on fire for God. You ever heard that? I know what that means, right? But when I was so grateful, when I was so impacted by the gospel, when I was so uh, honored and, 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 and amazed at the miracle that God had done in my life just by calling me out of darkness and giving me the knowledge that I was in dark, darkness, and that I could be in his light and I could find purpose in that, to, to go back to those elementary, childlike faith, just, oh, man, it was so good. And I think that's how we ought to be. Some of you need to go back and do what you did in the beginning and rekindle that flame, rekindle that truth See, God was with him, and he missed it. He was with Pilate. He was right before him, and he missed it. I want us just to close our eyes here just for a moment. You know, we talked about several characters here in the New Testament when Jesus came to the earth, and they missed it in various ways. And, and I think that as people, just, just as humans, as a human thing, that we can miss it. But I think God designed this thing on earth, this program on earth to, to, for us to gather together as a people of God so that we can be encouraged, so that we can be challenged, so that we can, that, so we can hear the word of God, so that we can encourage one another to good works, so that we can pray for one another, so that we can, so that we can be a community of people the called out ones. That's what the church means. The called out ones. Separated for God and his purpose. Holy people. That's what, that's what that word holy means. I'm separated for God. I'm holy people. So Lord, I just pray, God, that you would reveal that to your church afresh and anew. That we're holy people. That we're set aside for your good pleasures that we're set aside for your good works, that we're set aside for your workmanship, that truly, God, we're like potter in your hands, like clay in your hands, God, and you're the potter, to have your way in us, God, that we can fellowship with you, God, with, with no condemnation because of what Christ has done, that we can walk with God, right, in the cool of the day, that we can live a lifestyle of worship, that we wouldn't miss it, God, that, that, that we could be impacted today and not only impacted in tragedy, but, God, we can be impacted right now, today, God, 
So, Lord, we submit to you afresh and anew. And some of you in here, you might have never submitted to Jesus ever. And, and God is calling you out of darkness into his life. Uh, and, and today's your day of salvation. Today's your day where you say, you know what, I need to be reconciled to God. And you already know it because the Holy Spirit's drawing you and he's telling you the gospel. That there's one mediator between God and man and it's the man Christ Jesus. And that if we confess in our heart, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he is God and that he died on a cross but was resurrected to pay for the price of our sins, we'll be saved. And so if that's you out there, you just agree with God and say, Lord, that's me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for coming to live inside of me. I'm yours, God, and I surrender to it now. In Jesus' name.